Language is crucial to understanding societies. It's crucial to recognising the ecological, social, political and economic conditions in which we live. We use language to frame problems, formulate solutions, to negotiate and communicate political and economic pitfalls. Language is interaction that can accelerate action. But language is also performance, and performances can be used to distract from inaction, to avoid action, or postpone action, as much as to accelerate it. And language is what we focus on in this second series of our Language and Power podcast. So today we're having a look at a recap or a look back at what we did in the last series, series one on COP26. So it's been a couple of, a few months since that ended. So we were going to have a look back and a review of what's happened since then. So the first, we've got two texts that we want to look at. One of them is a recent newspaper article from um, the UK Times. And the second one is the document that was produced at the end of the Glasgow Climate Summit COP26, which sort of sets out some of the things that they say that they have achieved. So let's have a look at the first one and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. So this is an article from the, the, the Times published on the 24th of January this year, 2022. And the headline is, we must turn historic COP26 words into action, says minister. And then I'll just read out the first couple of um, few, few lines of this. So it goes, the deal agreed at the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow is at risk of remaining, quote, just words on a page, according to the minister who brokered it. Alok Sharma will warn today that the promises made in November may, quote, again, wither on the vine unless countries act. The promises include a commitment by all countries to strengthen the climate change targets for 2030 by the end of this year. And then I'll just say this last part. In a, in a speech at Chatham, Chatham House, the COP26 president will say, there is no doubt that the commitments we secured at COP26 were historic, yet at the moment they are just words on a page. And unless we honour the promises made to turn the commitments in the Glasgow Climate Pact into action, they will wither on the vine. We will have mitigated no risks, seized no opportunities. We will have fractured the trust built between nations and 1.5 degrees will slip from our grasps. Uh, so it, it goes on slightly to, to report uh, a couple of other people but I think that's, that's, that gives us a flavour of what, what's, how, what's, what the article is saying. So Alok Sharma is expressing doubts and, and making this, putting forward this idea that the, the, the agreement might be just words on page, which I thought when I was reading this was pretty much our conclusion from the first series. I, can't, I don't know if that's how, what your memory of it was, Tom. I think, yeah, just looking back, we talked a lot about the idea about what, when words became action and commitments and promises, and we're seeing all this language repeated here and also obviously Greta's famous blah 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 and and a lot of the other people we looked at were talking about you know what words would be and how how treacherous words could be if they didn't turn into action so it's clearly coming back here yeah uh, I, I feel I mean I I, <laughs> I feel as though we we were almost sort of saying well this is this is how it might turn out and it's it's still it still might turn into something good but it's to me it comes as no surprise i think looking at some of the words that we and language that we we looked at right through that conference it doesn't come as wouldn't come as a surprise it doesn't come as a surprise that, that now a few months later you know even the people who brokered those um agreements are starting to 
expressed doubts about what it actually achieved in, in terms of concrete action. He does talk about the Glasgow Climate Pact, which we just about started talking about at the end of series one. But since then, and if we go on to our kind of main text today, the COP26 event uh, organization, they produced a brochure. And again, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's a 28 page, uh, what I would describe as a glossy brochure. Have you, can you see it, Tom? Have you got it? Yes, I've got it. Very, very glossy, very nice. Yeah. Uh, So I think the first question, sorry. Yeah. I mean, let me just very, very, very briefly describe it. And then I think the first question is what kind of a document is it? What kind of a text is it? So it's available on the COP26 website. It's a 28 page, um, document that's available to download as a PDF. Lots of design elements in there, lots of different fonts used, text sizes are used. It's sometimes in column format. There are lots of fancy headings, different fonts for bo- different parts of body text are quote to in slightly different fonts and so on. Very, very kind of clearly designed uh, document. There are photos, sometimes dramatic live action photos from the conference itself, lots of diagrams. The colors follow, I would say the visual branding of the conference. So the, the conference, um, colors were a sort of, I, I don't know, a, a very light green, say in the Glasgow climate pact, a stylized picture of the earth with some swirly kind of, uh, colors of, of this light green, a, a kind of purplish color and, and white. So, so all of that, and this, this document echoes those. So. We've got this document and it's sort of, it's kind of, it's, it summarizes what happened at the conference and, the, and it restates the claims that the organizers make for what was achieved at COP26. Yeah. The first question then, I, I suppose, is what, what kind of a text is it? And I, th- I always like this, this, I almost, almost see it as a game naming the kind of text that, that, that you're kind of presented with, because sometimes it's easy, you know, news report, sometimes it's more difficult like this, I think this kind of document, because it's uh, not often that you see these kinds of conferences and then producing a kind of post-conference booklet or brochure, I don't know, I'm kind of preempting what we might call it. It's not so obvious what then, what, how you would name this text to me anyway, but what, what would you say, Tom, is it, have you got a, any ideas of what you would call this? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever sort of sort of given it a text name i know i suppose it's a conference report but it's not it's only very large and well-funded organizations that would produce this sort of report and it's who's it a report for i suppose is the question uh it's certainly not for the delegates themselves i don't think unless they just want to take it home and put it on their coffee table and impress you know their guests i i don't know who's it for and i suppose that determines the purpose if we know who it's trying to talk to what's it trying to tell them i don't know yeah. um the general yeah. public yeah the press, it's a the good, press to cannibalize it, and reproduce as they will yeah it's it's a good question who who would use this shall i read out the first the, the first page is is a, is a title page it's just got the logo of the conference yeah. on and and, uh, and so on the next page is a quite I don't know, an action photo of Alok Sharma sort of leaning forward, sort of looking quite serious, a photograph from the conference itself. And there's a quote there, which is from Alok Sharma, who is a UK MP. If you, if you remember, he is a member of the, was a member of the conservative government, the current government. And 
was given the job as COP president for that particular event. For which he got these plaudits, are... I think, across the He did. He was the he only did, yeah. person who really got universal praise, as far as I remember. Yeah, yeah. As I, think, I, think, I think that's right. We've mentioned, we talked about him a couple of times in, in the last series. This quote here, we can now say with credibility that we have kept 1.5 degrees alive, but its pulse is weak and it will only survive if we keep our promises and translate commitment into rapid action. Um, we must now move forward together and deliver on the expectations set out in the Glasgow Climate Pact. It is up to all of us to sustain our lodestar of keeping 1.5 degrees within reach and to continue our efforts to get finances, sorry, get finance flowing and boost ad adaptation. After the collective de dedication which has delivered the Glasgow Climate Pact, our work here cannot be wasted. So that's the quote on, which makes up the whole of the first page alongside this image of um, the photograph of Alok Sharma himself. That's the opening statement. So it is like a report, a summary of what they th think they've achieved and, and making claims. I, I was wondering whether they're trying to frame the narrative in some sort of sense about, you know, or, or make sure that, that their ver the version of the narrative that they want to be made is, is the one that, that kind of is pushed a little bit further. But your question, Tom, about who it's for is, is the really crucial one, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 Journalists would, would download this and have a look at it out of interest and perhaps pick up some of the language from it. Interesting thing. I mean, people are much more active than now. I suppose people who who were at the COP protesting or taking part or involved in some of the side events would be would be interested. It's interesting. I mean, the title is the Glasgow Climate Pact. Yeah. So they're presenting yeah. as the pact, but as the pact. This itself, is not yeah. the formal pact. But what, what what is the formal pact? Is a a good the, question. Well, this is oh, now. Now I think you're putting your finger on it here because I, I, when I was looking at this on the website itself, it says download the Glasgow Climate Pact, and when you click on that link, this is what you get. So it does look as though this is what is being presented as the Glasgow Climate Pact. But this is clearly um, a, a mediatized, <laughs> uh, glossy mm, magazine. Mm. Yeah. So, so what's going on there? And this reminded me. Well, I was thinking, well, what, 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 what else? So I went and looked back at the Paris Agreement, which this references quite a lot, and that is just a very straightforward text document without the without the images, without the logos, and all and all of the rest of it. And, and, and to me, and so this might be me. I'm interested to see what you think. A document which has more text and fewer images logos, photographs, changes in font and graphic and so on, to me seems like a more serious policy, proposal, government document, governmental document, agreement, a kind of international agreement. It has a bit more gravity to me. It seems like it's a serious document. Whereas this one, yeah, it's an official document, but it, it, it's baffling that they call it, or it appears to be what they're putting forward as the Glasgow Climate Pact because of all this multimodality as we we might call yeah. it yeah i mean throughout the first series we talked we saw that lots of people were talking referring to speech acts like commit and promise and what it what it meant to promise and that and this again seems to be it this seems to be an unofficial or not the official version of the agreement for which the name the pact has sort of been invented to say this is you know this is what all you guys agreed to do we haven't got the final document yet but we're putting it out in bright and bold colors what we see as the pact to sort of 
make sure that this said, you know, when you're kids or whatever, you know, a pact is like this solemn promise you make, yeah. swapping yeah. each other's blood and swearing to fulfill stuff. And so it seems to have this whole purpose to be pushing people to turn this pact into something more concrete, including rot written documents, maybe rotten documents, including written documents that are more formal for this. But this sort of ad hoc title of the pact is fascinating me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so I'm so baffled. I've just gone back just to double check what I said. And yeah, if you go to the the the, the UK COP26 official website, the the blue the the purple box that you click, which gets brings you to this document, it says read the COP26 Glasgow Climate Pact. That's what it says in the box, and you click it, and you get this PDF. So this is so... the official pact. There is no other document. It's an it's just an ad hoc name for the genre, and it actually refers to itself all the time. If you look on page three, it says. The aim of the UK COP26 presidency was to keep alive the hope of limiting the rise in global temperature, and the Glasgow Climate Pact does just that. Well, yeah. The Glasgow yeah. Climate Pact is this document. So what's it, is it sort of meaning this was what we informally negotiated and agreed to do as blood brothers, but we haven't done yet? And so this document is just sort of a, a, a signal yeah. for that? Yeah, it's, it's very strange, isn't it? I mean, so, I mean, it, it, if we look at maybe you sort of dig down into the into the documents, we've got that first part, and then there's a sort of introductory section which summarizes some of the things that they, they've said. There's lots of photographs. Then there's a section which is called COP26 Achievements at a Glance, and there's four points on that first page. I think that's it. And then it goes into a, a bigger section called COP26 Achievements, and then that that is subdivided into mitigation which is then has sections on on coal power halt uh, halting deforestation speeding up the switch to electric vehicles reducing methane emissions then we have a second section adaptation loss and damage again subdivided into boosted efforts to deal with climate impacts and then there's a third section which has which is called finance and just very quickly, I think if I go to the fourth section is collaboration. And these were the, the different themes that they spoke about. And then that, and then it ends. There's not, not even really a, con yeah, there's a kind of concluding section, which is delivering a safe, secure and inclusive and, and inclusive cop. I almost said inconclusive cop, but it's <laughs> delivering a safe, secure and inclusive cop. So, and, and then you've got the sponsors badges down at the, down at the bottom again. So this Parent Pact has also got sponsorship on there, <laughs> all, 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 all of which, to me, kind of detracts from the seriousness of it, from the weight, from the gravity of it. But hmm. yeah, no, it certainly is like a, a a university health prospectus rather than the the regulations or something. It's, it's hmm. some sort of advertising, isn't it? And yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that's interesting, even though it it very much still talks about the positive things that the UK did. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, if yeah. you look on page a theme, three with a picture of Boris yeah. Johnson, it it's very much talks about the UK presidency has given significantly more focus. The UK presidency has made progress. The Glasgow Climate Pact is the climax of two years. So it's still really pushing out this idea that UK did great. But at the same mm. time, we've got the metaphor that struck me. Uh, if we think of Johnson's metaphor, we looked at in the series one about the game changing at half time and being 5 0 down at half time. Sharma's come out with two metaphors. He talks about it being withering on the vine that was quoted in the Times. And now he's got the 
1.5 degrees commitment is alive, but its pulse is weak and it will only survive yeah. if. So we've got these metaphors of something that's alive and good, but it's only just staying alive and it needs us to keep working on it to keep it alive, which is a sort of semi-optimistic glass, half-empty sort of message mixed in with, yeah, but the UK was great in putting all this stuff forward. And I suppose it's like, and now you, all you other guys who made this pact with us, you've got to deliver on that because you've made a pact and we've done our bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is very ambiguous in that sense, isn't it? Those first, that that page that you're looking at, page three, with the with the picture of Boris Johnson at the top, it's interesting. The claims it makes several claims and then illustrates them in ways that really give doubt to the, to do well, almost contradict the claim that's been made in the previous sentence. So I'm looking in the second paragraph halfway through, it says the aim of the cop, of the yeah. UK cop 26 presidency was to keep alive the hope of limiting the rising global temperature to 1.5 degrees C and the Glasgow climate pact does just <laughs> that. It does what it's set out to do. They've said what we were aim, aimed and we've done, we've met our aim. But then immediately, the next sentence says, combined with increased ambition and action from countries, 1.5 degrees C remains in sight. Right. So the previous sentence said we kept it alive and we, we, we kept 1.5 degrees alive. And now we're not keeping it alive anymore. We've just kept it in sight. So a very, a different metaphor with a different kind of sense of how close to your achievement you've got, you know, I, 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 maybe, maybe I'm being picky and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're being cynical, but it does. Cynical. The aim of the COP26 yeah. was not just to keep these things alive. It was actually nah. to do more. Now it's saying that the, the only aim of the conference was to keep alive the hope. In that keep way, they could the say, hope. well, we yeah. delivered yeah. on that, but it's not much yeah. of a, a promise, really, is it? We're going to yeah. keep the hope yeah. alive. And even yeah. still, it, won't, it might not be in sight, even if it's alive. Indeed, as you yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a pre the previous set, the previous paragraph concludes by saying this global agreement will accelerate action on climate uh, climate this decade and finally completes the Paris rule book. So you know they're sort of going from you know, quite a stronger. We've, we've completed Paris, the Paris Agreement. The rule book has has been completely completed, and then we've kept it alive. And now it's just in sight. So we're getting further and further away from that really strong claim at the beginning. So yeah, it's a, a question. The, the other, I mean, so here's, here's my question or, or thing that I would like to, to, to ask you about and, and, and thinking about the type of text and it's got this brochures, it's got all these glossy pictures and, and, and dramatic. I mean, it looks very professional, looks very impressive in terms of a design. But it reminds me of, or it raises the question, what do you get when you get these documents, which are very, have all these design features versus just a straightforward written text as we had with, with Paris, the Paris agreement. And it reminds me of, right. So I'm going to make a confession here. So see if you, let's see if this is your experience, Tom. Sometimes when you see a presentation either of an academic paper at, at a conference or, you know, something that you, you maybe get your students to do a, a, a presentation and it looks great. The, the slides look great. There's nice pictures, nice images, and you think they've done a really good job. They've really understood what they're talking about here. 
and, and, it, and it's great. It's very convincing. And then occasionally you sort of see the written paper afterwards, either it's the, <laughs> either it's the conference paper or the kind of essay that comes later and you kind of think, ah, oh, maybe they, maybe I, you know, maybe, yes. Maybe it's not, not quite as, as, as finished and polished to an understanding as, as I, as I thought it was in the beginning. That's my confession. I don't know if that's I'd the same universal with experience. That. Yeah, I will strike my breast <laughs> alongside you there. <laughs> <in> <laughs> repentance and behaving like yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, so the question is, so, so in general terms, when you've got these multimodal texts, either a PowerPoint present or a document like this, which has got lo loads of photographs and, and fancy fonts and everything, is that more convinced or, 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 you know, are people better at explaining themselves using these multimodal types of uh, document or are we as the audience of these documents, readers of this document, more easily accepting or distracted by the multimodal text? Uh, it, you know, so this text at first glance looks very professional. But when you look at the actual words that are used, they don't live up to it. I, I don't think they don't live up to what you might want or expect from such an event. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It just it makes me think about criticism from, from Kieran O'Halloran, a colleague of ours who was, you know, sort of was thinking about critical discourse analysis and people's reading. And, you know, he was saying sometimes in critical discourse analysis, we take people for idiots or something like that. Um, I think, it, I, I can't remember his exact phrase, but it's a bit like the phrase from, from Bakhtin, the, lit the Russian literary critic who talked about your active responsive reading. I suppose it depends what level you're reading it at. If you're just seeing that in these nice glossy pictures with all the relevant people there, even the people who were severely, and there's two people we mm. talked about there, highly, highly prominent in terms of the Prime Minister of, Prime Minister of Barbados, I think, Premier of Barbados anyway, mm -hmm. Motley, and also the, the uh, Brazilian Indigenous Socialique, mm. who are there. And so you see their pictures and you see them involved as part of this and it all looks great. And, you know, even if... <laughs> If you don't remember them being severely critical of all the leaders of the COP, then it looks like everybody's involved and it's all lots of language that it suggests things are being done. So I suppose if you're not unactively engaged with this, it might look like job well done. And maybe the people who produce it thinks they've managed to pull that achievement off. But I think there was such a level of engagement that other people reading this will actually find the colour pictures and the jazziness and snazzies of this actually worse because it's so, you know, mm. they, they will just see that as contrasting with the emptiness of the, of, of the modality, if you like, we will, we will keep yeah. this alive, if not in sight. Wow. And therefore yeah. having all these kind of documents might just put people off. Much the same, I suppose, that when you see, when you read these student texts, if it had all this gloriously snazzy presentation, it actually makes you feel a little bit more negative because how how effective the power, the PowerPoint was, and so it could be counterproductive if people think it's all froth and no substance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's interesting. That it, it, an an example. I mean, we're we're saying about froth and no substance, and there's I, I was noticing uh, on a page sixteen they talk about the adaptation, loss, and damage. Now, I, I picked this page because it, we, there's a photograph up there of one of the activists who I think we spoke about during the, or at least we, we, you and I were yeah. talking about being there. And I, I was looking at this in terms of, well, what, what if this is the pact, what, what have we got in, in some of the details? And my reading of this, so we'll have a look at some of the words, is that a, I, I think there's an interesting lack of detail. 
uh, and I think it presents some things as new, which I don't think are new. And, it, and there's a vagueness and to, to some of the text. And, and so let me just sort of read, read some of that. So it, people across the world are already living with the devastating consequences of our changing climate, they say, intensifying, increasing the frequency and impact of extreme weather events, rising seas and changing weather patterns and the livelihoods of the land of millions. So that's how it opens. And I think, you know, that's seems to be a very true description of, of the situation uh, and then it goes on that they you know that they need to avoid the loss of, of protection of livelihood so we're at the end of the second paragraph and we're kind of repeating I mean it's stating things that we know but but and that's probably necessary and then here's the here's the kind of the, the punch uh, a cop 26 countries agreed to a new Glasgow Sharmel shake work program on the global goal on adaptation to reduce vulnerability strengthen resilience and increase the capacity of people and the planet to adapt to the impacts of climate change. So in that context, what, what the claim is that they've agreed to a, another work program. So, so they haven't reached any conclusions. It's just, right, you know, we're going to do another meeting or another kind of set of uh, events. And, that, and again, that might be fine, but it, it's, it, I'm sort of still looking for the the amazing thing that they've agreed in this pact. So it goes on, a key step towards managing climate impacts is for each country to formulate a national plan. Now that's presented, it seems to me they're trying to present that as a new piece of information. I, I don't know if they are, but it says 80 countries are now covered by either adaptation communications or national adaptation plans to increase preparedness to climate risk within f with, with 45 submitted over the last year. Again, it seems as though they're trying to present this as, as new. This isn't this isn't you. This is what the Paris Agreement was asking for all those years ago. And still only 45 countries have, have submitted these agreements. So what has been achieved at Glasgow? Well, so far, just this idea, you know, to, to get people together and do a new work program. Since climate change, it's, it goes on, is a shared challenge. And national plans benefit from knowledge sharing. The UK co-developed the Adaptation Act. Action Coalition. The coalition is bringing 40 countries together to find solutions to some of the most challenging impacts of climate change. We are uh, inviting all countries to join us. So uh, here's another thing. So they, they've got a program, the Glasgow Sharm El Sheikh program, and they've, uh, they've managed to get 40 countries together to find solutions. So uh, is the problem that 40 countries had not been brought together previously? Because if it is, then this seems like a nice solution. But it seems to me that that's not the problem. The problem is we still um, haven't worked out how we are going to prevent loss and damage and then where that's inevitable to support adaptation. And that's been the case for many, many, many years. But we now seem to have lots more committees because we've got the... The Glasgow Shamoshek Work Programme, we've got the mm. Adaptation Communications, the National Adaptation Plans, then that becomes the Adaptation Action Coalition, which is a new thing, but then also the Adaptation Research Alliance. So there's actually about seven different talking shops mm. all mentioned mm. there. Why do we need so many? Wow, well, what are they all doing with each other? How are they communicating to each other? And, and, and... Yeah. My, 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 take on things like this is that I like it when people deliberate together. You know, I'm a deliberative de yes. Democrat at heart. I like it when people get together, work out what the problem is together and, and, and work out solutions to those problems. So, so in, in principle, I don't mind people getting together uh, and, and working these things out. It's just that 
I, I guess I thought that that's what the COP26 conferences were, was people getting together and doing the working out and working out the problem and working through solutions. You can have lots of meetings in the run-up to these COP26 meetings, but they are, you know, in the end, a conference where people ought to be able to talk and deliberate and, 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 and so on. So it seems, it seems that you're getting nowhere where you have talk about the conference, then you have talk at the conference. And then the result of that talk is more talk. You're not, you're not shifting levels there. We're remaining at the level of talk and discourse and not coming to some other firm conclusions. Yeah. You know, there's a circularity in having a conference, which results in having more conference, whether you call it something slightly different, like, a, like a network or a work program or whatever, but it, that's what it, that's what it is, isn't it? And, and that, that's what's the issue yeah, that, here. As you say, great networking, but that was supposed to be in place for when it's supposed to be doing things in the whole, everyone, you know, the whole blah, blah, blah message from the activists, but also from the, the government withering on the vine and the other metaphors that you use here is that it's got to go beyond talking. And at the end, they're, they're just boasting about the amount of talk that's coming out of it. But I, I, love, I love the punchline to this page. So all it's done so far is mention all these different organizations and their acronyms, but then it comes to this conclusion. This global network of over 60 organizations across 30 countries in bold, because that's the achievement, will see governments, businesses, and local societies increasing the resilience of vulnerable countries. How do we know that? I mean, that's surely what they intend to do, but we've no idea that they will manage to do that. So this is a totally empty promise just to say, yeah, this is going to make everything better. Well, well show us the proof. The ARA yeah. will place indigenous knowledge and solutions at the core of its work. That's really interesting. That's just a reference back to the picture, which doesn't have a lot to do with everything else mm. that's been said in that paragraph, as far as I can see. It's just trying to make it look inclusive. But that, that bizarre promise that, yeah, the, all these talking shops will solve the problem. That's <laughs> what it says. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It goes on on the next page. I mean, I, let, let's, let's just sort of look at the next page because they do mention f money figures there. Is this what they're... they're, they're so they say the European Commission and the list of some nations will collectively the champion they call them the Champions Group on adaptation finance is projected to provide twelve point seven billion in adaptation finance in twenty twenty five. So projected to you know it's not you know the pledges projecting the the, the list of delivered at COP twenty six new UK funding announced at COP twenty six will support vulnerable vulnerable countries, but they're quite small figures two hundred seventy four million dollars uh, sorry pounds twenty seven million um, pounds uh, sorry sorry dollars, but so yeah they 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 seem like pretty small numbers in terms of money hundred million pounds climate adaptation and resilience research framework program. 10 million pounds UK, 3.5 million US dollars funding from Ireland for the least developed countries. It's not a lot of money. I mean, 10 million pounds for the, for the, for the least developed countries. It's, it's, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, so this, this sort of the, this section two is very clearly in two sections, isn't it? One is about the talking shops and one is about the money with the pay team. Yes. So there's lots yeah, of money, yeah. well, that's not really lots of money <laughs> and yeah. there's talk. Yeah, yeah. And this is under the heading adaptation loss and damage. Adaptation loss and damage. That doesn't yeah. seem to respond to that heading at all. It's like the headings are totally irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. 
in Bazali. Actually, finance comes in the next section. Yeah. Interesting, they've got a picture of Claire Shakayak, Director of Climate International Institute for Environment and Development, who is wearing some sort of looks like a, a local form of dress congratulating the wealthier nations on committing some money so that seems to get there mm. they're putting her pitch in there in this glossy picture to suggest that all those figures they've mentioned are, are getting the unequivocal support of activists and, and indigenous activists mm. Mm. with this tiny little soundbite I, I wonder what the rest of her speech said about the pledging of money by big nations mm. Mm, yeah, well, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, so, so if you kind of think, trace back the intertextual links there, yeah. there's a there's a there's a project for somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm still looking at this list and I'm working out what where the money's going. And the 274 million in the first point is to go to communities across Asia. So you know, when you <laughs> spread that 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 out <laughs> amongst communities across Asia and the Pacific and the Pacific, it says it. Yeah, it's not. And then the purpose of that is to better plan, invest in, and fund climate change very vague very you know what, what, what money for planning and money for for investing is is all very very vague i mean i suppose we we can't really expect them to give specific details but i feel that we want more than this we want more than um money to work out give we'll give you some money to work out how to spend the money surely those plans ought to have been made it, it, i i can't imagine going to a funding body as an academic and saying, could you give me some money to work out how I'm going to spend the money that you're, you're going to give me? <laughs> it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't fly. Maybe it should. <laughs> um, yeah, there's more details of money after a lot of breakdown of money, but, and the numbers are looking bigger overall. But this is for the, this is for the entire investment into into climate crisis. So it's not not a huge amount of money internationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the question that it raises for me is: Well, yeah, giving spending money is probably part of it. Would be part of what you would want to do. But then, what is going to be stopped? And there are other sections, as we mentioned earlier, on coal reducing emissions so can we find anything in there that that's real kind of achievement delivered at clock if we look at the mitigation section on page 13 delivered at cop in the run-up to and at cop 26 extensive commitments were made to speed up the switch to electric vehicles including the cop 26 declaration on accelerating the transition to 100 percent zero emission cars and vans which brought together 35 countries, six major car makers, 43 cities, states and regions, 28 fleet owners, 28 fleet owners, and 15 financial institutions and investors all committing to work together to achieve this goal. So, right, so let's, let's pass that. Declar so, they, so their achievement was to declare acceleration on the tr transition to 100% emissions, zero emissions cars. So... A declaration is their achievement, is, is one of their achievements. And we noticed to do, all to do four of those bullet points. First one says they're committed. Second one says they made commitments. Third one said commitments. And the fourth one says signed up just to make it a bit different from commitments. So again, it's commitments and not action. And, and this, the, 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 what's involved in that, it seems quite small. I mean, you know, 35 countries out of what? Uh, 
almost 200 nations mm -hmm. are, have committed to this. Six major car, only six major car makers. I mean, I suppose the way that they're conglomerated, I mean, that might that might be a majority. Only 43 cities, states, and regions. Only 28 fleet owners. Only fi 15 financial institutions and investors. Doesn't seem. You know, there's a, there's a there's a qualitative element of this, but there's the quantitative element. I mean, part of the problem of climate change is that so much of this activity, this polluting activity, is going on that it causes a problem. So you need big numbers in terms of the the, the kind of organisations and uh, places that are committed to stop using internal combustion engines. It says in the second bullet point, vehicle manufacturers rep representing more than thirty percent of the global market. Well. Oh, 30% is, is not the majority. It's nowhere near what you would really want. It, you know, then there's, there's a list of, of motor manufacturers that uh, have committed to this. And again, it's just the, the names of the six that they've mentioned. So General Motors, Jaguar, Fiat, Volvo, Audi, Ford, Volkswagen in Europe. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that, that, uh, that changes things in Europe. So not, not, not particularly, uh, global either in that, in that sense. No. Yeah. It's yeah. Going back to that point about the glossy, the glossy images. And then when you drill down into the details, it sort of disappears, doesn't it? Yeah. But if you, yes, if you just look at all the, all the numbers sort of without thinking too much about them and with all the glossy, it could look good until you think, well, 30% means 70% haven't. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think for, I'm just looking ahead at different bits of this as well. Interesting. It says in the last section, delivering a safe, secure and inclusive cop. Now this is, this reminds me of my, my favorite bugbear, which is about, uh, consultation where big organizations turn up in small communities and talk at the local populace, tell them what they're going to do, tell them what's going to be agreed and walk away and then say they had full consultation. So this, this talks about the number of people that were there and everything and their different organizations, but yet we, some of the feedback we saw throughout COP was how non-inclusive it was. That there was far too much security, that people weren't allowed to participate in a genuine way, that there was much a lot of stuff behind closed doors. And so you maybe had lots of people there, you maybe invited people along and you maybe televised it. But in what sense was it inclusive beyond beyond the numbers of people who are in the same place? I, th I think that's an interesting, you know, where you can play with those numbers to make something look inclusive just because people were there. But unless you actively engage people and listen to people and respond, that that's not real inclusion. Yeah. And I think, wouldn't you say also not, not, I mean, listening, of course, but then a, a mark of whether that you, you've also learned from what you heard when you were listening, it, it would be, you know, a different outcome than would have been achieved if you hadn't listened to, to, exactly. to those people you were trying to include. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, just um, this whole question of voice, which is a big, big issue in social linguistics, interactional social linguistics, what it means to have voice. And it's certainly not just being able to speak in public. It needs, there needs to be uptake. There needs to be engagement on both sides. You need to be able to present things in, from your own point of view and within your own way of seeing the world. And that, that there are many, many different levels of voice and just, just being there is, is not, not voice or inclusion. Yeah. Good point. I don't know. Where do we go from here? Where do we come from here? What do we, should we do? Do we, do we wind this up or is, is there more to say on this? Or? I would think probably wind it up. Seeing there's, yeah. there's lots more that, I mean, I would love to do an analysis of this and see how many verbs of promising and action and different stuff there is and how things are framed, but that would be, we've, we've hinted at that. So if, yeah, if anyone wants to do that for a PhD, they can come to us. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 good. It's just sort of setting a spark, isn't it? Yeah, um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. So, when that yeah, yeah. so Michael, let's go yeah. back to the beginning and your question. We've looked at this document, we flipped through its glossy pages using our our mouses, our mice instead of our fingers, but we've looked at this brochure. Let's have, let's fire your question back to you. What sort yeah. of document is this? Yes, yeah. Well, I think it's it, now having looked at it, I I, I would see this as, as a very much a, a promotional document which which is aimed at putting a spin on what happened at COP. And I think the aim of the spin, I mean, I don't know what the aim of the spin, is this to convince others or is it to con convince themselves? Oh, I was wondering and about that. <laughs> and, and, and probably a bit of both, I think. I think I think underneath it all, there's probably a recognition going right back to, to you know, Alok Sharma's opening quote. Even there, we saw there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of an ambiguity about how successful it was. Trying to say it was success, but at the same time, probably recognizing that, that not a lot was particularly achieved when he says um, that its pulse was weak. And I think we can see why he's having to say that from having looked at some of the, some of the details. Yeah. So I think it's, I think, I think also there's probably a kind of expectation around this kind of event that you, you almost have to produce yeah. <laughs> a, a, a kind of successful outcome. You, you know, I think, I think that probably if there was one cop in Copenhagen, wasn't there, where, where it was universally kind of described as being, you know, not having achieved what it, what it set out to achieve. And I think there's probably a fear amongst host governments that, that they don't want to kind of end up in that situation. So they will say things that make it look as though it was a success, even when you can see that there's, um, uh, a, a large gap in in what the aims were and what was actually achieved. So that that's that I, I'd, I'd say something like that. How about you? No, that's more or less what I was thinking myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So, right. Well, that's it for this for this week. We'll be back next week with more language and power analysis. And we'll see you then.